Chapter 32 of The Social Cancer, a complete English version of Noli Me Tangere from the Spanish of José Rizal by Charles Darbyshire. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avaí in December 2011. Chapter 32 The Derrick the yellowish individual had kept his word, for it was no simple derrick that he had erected above the open trench to let the heavy block of granite down into its place. It was not the simple tripod that Nor Juan had wanted for suspending a pulley from its top, but was much more, being at once a machine and an ornament, a grand and imposing ornament. Over eight metres in height rose the confused and complicated scaffolding. Four thick posts sunk in the ground served as a frame, fastened to each other by huge timbers crossing diagonally and joined by large nails driven in only half-way, perhaps for the reason that the apparatus was simply for temporary use and thus might easily be taken down again. Huge cables stretched from all sides gave an appearance of solidity and grandeur to the whole. At the top it was crowned with many-coloured banners, streaming pennants, and enormous garlands of flowers and leaves artistically interwoven. There, at the top, in the shadow made by the posts, the garlands, and the banners, hung, fastened with cords and iron hooks, an unusually large three-wheeled pulley, over the polished sides of which passed in a crotch three cables even larger than the others. These held suspended the smooth, massive stone hollowed out in the centre to form with a similar hole in the lower stone, already in place, the little space intended to contain the records of contemporaneous history, such as newspapers, manuscripts, money, medals, and the like, and perhaps to transmit them to very remote generations. The cables extended downward and connected with another equally large pulley at the bottom of the apparatus, whence they passed to the drum of a windlass held in place by means of heavy timbers. This windlass, which could be turned with two cranks, increased the strength of a man a hundredfold by the movement of notched wheels, although it is true that was gained in force was lost in velocity. Look said the yellowish individual, turning the crank. Look, Nor Juan, how with merely my own strength I can raise and lower the great stone. It is so well arranged that at will I can regulate the rise or fall inch by inch, so that a man in the trench can easily fit the stones together while I manage it from here. Nor Juan could not but gaze in admiration at the speaker, who was smiling in his peculiar way curious bystanders made remarks praising the yellowish individual who taught you mechanics asked nor juan my father my dead father was the answer accompanied by his peculiar smile who taught your father don saturnino the grandfather of don crisostomo i didn't know that don saturnino oh he knew a lot of things he not only beat his labourers well and exposed them out in the sun, but he also knew how to wake the sleepers and put the waking to sleep. You'll see in time what my father taught me, you'll see. Here the yellowish individual smiled again, but in a strange way. 
on a theme covered with a piece of persian tapestry rested a leaden cylinder containing the objects that were to be kept in the tomb-like receptacle and a glass case with thick sides which would hold that mummy of an epoch and preserve for the future the records of a past tasio the sage who was walking about there thoughtfully murmured perchance some day when this edifice which is to-day begun has grown old and after many vicissitudes has fallen into ruins either from the visitations of nature or the destructive hand of man and above the ruins grow the ivy and the moss then when time has destroyed the moss and ivy and scattered the ashes of the ruins themselves into the winds wiping from the pages of history the recollection of it and of those who destroyed it long since lost from the memory of man perchance when the races have been buried in their mantle of earth or have disappeared only by accidents the pick of some miner striking a spark from this rock will dig up mysteries and enigmas from the depths of the soil perchance the learned men of the nation that dwells in these regions will labour as do the present egyptologists with the remains of a great civilization which occupied itself with eternity little dreaming that upon it was descending so long a night perchance some learned professor will say to his students of five or six years of age in a language spoken by all mankind gentlemen after studying and examining carefully the objects found in the depths of our soil after deciphering some symbols and translating a few words we can without the shadow of a doubt conclude that these objects belonged to the barbaric age of man to that obscure era which we are accustomed to speak of as fabulous in short gentlemen in order that you may form an approximate idea of the backwardness of our ancestors it will be sufficient that i point out to you the fact that those who lived here not only recognized kings but also for the purpose of settling questions of local government they had to go to the other side of the earth just as if we should say that a body in order to move itself would need to consult a head existing in another part of the globe perhaps in regions now sunk under the waves this incredible defect however improbable it may seem to us now must have existed if we take into consideration the circumstances surrounding those beings whom i scarcely dare to call human in those primitive times men were still or at least so they believed in direct communication with their creator since they had ministers from him beings different from the rest designated always with the mysterious letters m r p concerning the meaning of which our learned men do not agree according to the professor of languages whom we have here rather mediocre since he does not speak more than a hundred of the imperfect languages of the past m r p may signify muy rico proprietario these ministers were a species of demigods very virtuous and enlightened and were very eloquent orators who in spite of their great power and prestige never committed the slightest fault which fact strengthens my belief in supposing that they were of a nature distinct from the rest if this were not sufficient to sustain my belief there yet remains the argument disputed by no one and day by day confirmed that these mysterious beings could make god descend to earth merely by saying a few words that god could speak only through their mouths 
that they ate his flesh and drank his blood, and even at times allowed the common folk to do the same. These and other opinions the sceptical sage put into the mouths of all the corrupt men of the future. Perhaps, as may easily be the case, old Tassio was mistaken, but we must return to our story. In the kiosks which we saw two days ago occupied by the schoolmaster and his pupils, there was now spread out a toothsome and abundant meal. Noteworthy is the fact that on the table prepared for the schoolchildren there was not a single bottle of wine but an abundance of fruits. In the arbors joining the two kiosks were the seats for the musicians and a table covered with sweetmeats and confections, with bottles of water for the thirsty public, all decorated with leaves and flowers. The schoolmaster had erected nearby a greased pole and hurdles, and had hung up pots and pans for a number of games. The crowd, resplendent in bright-coloured garments, gathered as people fled from the burning sun, some into the shade of the trees, others under the arbour. The boys climbed up into the branches or on the stones in order to see the ceremony better, making up in this way for their short stature. They looked with envy at the clean and well-dressed schoolchildren, who occupied a place especially assigned to them, and whose parents were overjoyed, as they, poor country folk, would see their children eat from a white tablecloth, almost the same as the curate or the alcalde. Thinking of this alone was enough to drive away hunger, and such an event would be recounted from father to son. Soon were heard the distant strains of the band, which was preceded by a motley throng made up of persons of all ages, in clothing of all colours. The yellowish individual became uneasy, and with a glance examined his whole apparatus. A curious countryman followed his glance and watched all his movements. This was Elias, who had also come to witness the ceremony, but in his salakot and rough attire he was almost unrecognisable. He had secured a very good position almost at the side of the windlass, on the edge of the excavation. With the music came the alcalde, the municipal officials, the friars, with the exception of Padre Damaso, and the Spanish employees. Ibarra was conversing with the alcalde, of whom he had made quite a friend since he had addressed to him some well-turned compliments over his decorations and ribbons, for aristocratic pretensions were the weakness of his honour. Capitan Tiago, the alferez, and some other wealthy personages came in the gilded cluster of maidens displaying their silken parasols. Padre Salvi followed, silent and thoughtful as ever. "'Count upon my support always in any worthy enterprise,' the alcalde was saying to Ibarra. "'I will give you whatever appropriation you need, or else see that it is furnished by others.' As they drew nearer, the youth felt his heart beat faster. Instinctively he glanced at the strange scaffolding raised there. He saw the yellowish individual salute him respectfully and gaze at him fixedly for a moment. With surprise he noticed Elias, who with a significant wink gave him to understand that he should remember the warning in the church. The curate put on his sacerdotal robes and commenced the ceremony, while the one-eyed sacristan held the book and an acolyte the hyssop and a jar of holy water. 
the rest stood about him uncovered and maintained such a profound silence that in spite of his reading in a low tone it was apparent that padre salvi's voice was trembling meanwhile there had been placed in the glass case the manuscripts newspapers medals coins and the like and the whole enclosed in the leaden cylinder which was then hermetically sealed Signor Ibarra, will you put the box in its place? The curate is waiting, murmured the alcalde into the young man's ear. I would with great pleasure, answered the latter, but that would be usurping the honorable duty of the escribano. The escribano must make affidavit of the act. So the escribano gravely took the box, descended the carpeted stairway leading to the bottom of the excavation, and with due solemnity placed it in the hole in the stone. The curate then took the hyssop and sprinkled the stones with holy water. Now the moment had arrived for each one to place his trowelful of mortar on the face of the large stone lying in the trench, in order that the other might be fitted and fastened to it. Ibarra handed the alcalde a mason's trowel, on the white silver made of which was engraved the date. But the alcalde first gave a harangue in Spanish. People of San Diego, we have the honor to preside over a ceremony whose importance you will not understand unless we tell you of it. A school is being founded, and the school is the basis of society, the school is the book in which is written the future of the nations. Show us the schools of the people, and we will show you what that people is. People of San Diego, thank God who has given you holy priests and the government of the mother country, which untiringly spreads civilization through these fertile isles, protected beneath her glorious mantle. Thank God who has taken pity on you and sent you these humble priests, who enlighten you and teach you the divine word. Thank the government which has made, is making, and will continue to make, so many sacrifices for you and your children. And now that the first stone of this important edifice is consecrated, we, Alcalde Mayor of this province, in the name of His Majesty the King, whom God preserve, King of the Spains, in the name of the illustrious Spanish government, and under the protection of its spotless and ever-victorious banner, we consecrate this act and begin the construction of this schoolhouse. People of San Diego, long live the king, long live Spain, long live the friars, long live the Catholic religion. Many voices were raised in answer, adding, long live the señor alcalde. He then majestically descended to the strains of the band, which began to play, deposited several trowelfuls of mortar on the stone, and with equal majesty reascended. The employees applauded. Ibarra offered another trowel to the curate, who, after fixing his eyes on him for a moment, descended slowly. Halfway down the steps he raised his eyes to look at the stone, which hung fastened by the stout cables, but this was only for a second, and he then went on down. He did the same as the alcalde, but this time more applause was heard, for to the employees were added some friars and Capitan Tiago. Padre Salvi then seemed to seek for someone to whom he might give the trowel. He looked doubtfully at Maria Clara, but changing his mind offered it to the escribano. 
the latter in gallantry offered it to maria clara who smilingly refused it the friars the employees and the alferez went down one after another nor was capitan tiago forgotten ibarra only was left and the order was about to be given for the yellowish individual to lower the stone when the curate remembered the youth and said to him in a joking tone with affected familiarity aren't you going to put on your trowelful senor ibarra i should be a juan palomo to prepare the meal and eat it myself answered the latter in the same tone go on said the alcalde shoving him forward gently otherwise i'll order that the stone be not lowered at all and will be here until doomsday before such a terrible threat ibarra had to obey he exchanged a small silver trowel for a large iron one an act which caused some of the spectators to smile and went forward tranquilly elias gazed at him with such an indefinable expression that on seeing it one might have said that his whole life was concentrated in his eyes the yellowish individual stared into the trench which opened at his feet after directing a rapid glance at the heavy stone hanging over his head and another at elias and the yellowish individual ibarra said to nor juan in a somewhat unsteady voice give me the mortar and get me another trowel up there the youth remained alone elias no longer looked at him for his eyes were fastened on the hand of the yellowish individual who leaning over the trench was anxiously following the movements of ibarra there was heard the noise of the trowel scraping on the stone in the midst of a feeble murmur among the employees who were congratulating the alcalde on his speech suddenly a crash was heard the pulley tied at the base of the derrick jumped up and after it the windlass which struck the heavy posts like a battering ram the timbers shook the fastenings flew apart and the whole apparatus fell in a second with a frightful crash a cloud of dust arose while a cry of horror from a thousand voices filled the air nearly all fled only a few dashed toward the trench maria clara and padre salvi remained in their places pale motionless and speechless when the dust had cleared away a little they saw ibarra standing among beams posts and cables between the windlass and the heavy stone which in its rapid descent had shaken and crushed everything the youth still held the trowel in his hand and was staring with frightened eyes at the body of a man which lay at his feet half buried among the timbers you're not killed you're still alive for god's sake speak cried several employees full of terror and solicitude a miracle a miracle shouted some come and extricate the body of this poor devil exclaimed ibarra like one arousing himself from sleep on hearing his voice maria clara felt her strength leave her and fell half fainting into the arms of her friends great confusion prevailed all were talking gesticulating running about descending into the trench coming up again all amazed and terrified who is the dead man is he still alive asked the alferez the corpse was identified as that of the yellowish individual who had been operating the windlass arrest the foreman on the work was the first thing that the alcalde was able to say 
they examined the corpse placing their hands on the chest but the heart had ceased to beat the blow had struck him on the head and blood was flowing from his nose mouth and ears on his neck were to be noticed some peculiar marks four deep depressions toward the back and one more somewhat larger on the other side which induced the belief that a hand of steel had caught him as in a pair of pincers the priests felicitated the youth warmly and shook his hand the franciscan of humble aspect who had served as holy ghost for padre damaso exclaimed with tearful eyes god is just god is good when i think that a few moments before i was down there said one of the employees to ibarra what if i happened to be the last it makes my hair stand on end remarked another partly bald individual i am glad that it happened to you and not to me murmured an old man tremblingly don pascual exclaimed some of the spaniards i say that because the young man is not dead if i had not been crushed i should have died afterwards merely from thinking about it but ibarra was already at a distance informing himself as to maria clara's condition don't let this stop the fiesta senor ibarra said the alcalde praise god the dead man is neither a priest nor a spaniard we must rejoice over your escape think if the stone had caught you there are presentiments there are presentiments exclaimed the escribano i've said so before senor ibarra didn't go down willingly i saw it the dead man is only an indian let the fiesta go on music sadness will never resuscitate the dead an investigation shall be made right here send for the directorcillo arrest the foreman on the work to the stocks with him to the stocks music to the stocks with the foreman senor alcalde said ibarra gravely if mourning will not resuscitate the dead much less will arresting this man about whose guilt we know nothing i will be security for his person and so i ask his liberty for these days at least very well but don't let him do it again all kinds of rumours began to circulate the idea of a miracle was soon an accepted fact although fray salvi seemed to rejoice but little over a miracle attributed to a saint of his order and in his parish there were not lacking those who added that they had seen descending into the trench when everything was tumbling down a figure in a dark robe like that of the franciscans there was no doubt about it it was san diego himself it was also noted that ibarra had attended mass and that the yellowish individual had not it was all as clear as the sun you see you didn't want to go to mass said a mother to her son if i hadn't whipped you to make you go you would now be on your way to the town hall like him in a cart the yellowish individual or rather his corpse wrapped up in a mat was in fact being carried to the town hall ibarra hurried home to change his clothes a bad beginning huh commented old tasio as he moved away end of chapter thirty two